two questions, uh, then we'll come to the table. What do you value most, and how valuable, actually, is it? That shouldn't be too hard. What do you value most, and how valuable, actually, is it? On Monday of this past week, I was sitting on the front lawn at Pillar in one of the Adirondacks. I was preparing for the funeral of Sharon Ellison, as Jonathan mentioned earlier. Uh, Sharon is a relatively newer presence to the Pillar community, uh, became a part of this place several uh, years ago, 79 years old. Uh, my interactions with her over the last several years uh, gave witness to a beautiful life, a one who loved Jesus deeply and loved others well. I was sitting on the lawn preparing uh, for her funeral. She had been diagnosed with lymphoma, preparing herself for that battle, went to bed on a Friday night only to rise in glory on Saturday morning. It was quite shocking. It's probably why I'm asking the question, what do you value most and how valuable actually is it? As I was sitting there preparing, one of the funeral directors came by, sat next to me. We talked through some of the details of her funeral service when he said, oh, and by the way, I thought you should know I got a call this morning. George Zydema died. My heart sank. My head hit my hands. George Zydema died? To my little way of seeing things, George Zydema was bigger than life. Uh, graduated from Hope College in 1949. Took him three years before he went to Johns Hopkins University Med School. Uh, ended up becoming the head of surgery at Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins, the, the hospital everyone around the world looks to for corona analysis. Uh, before he returned to Michigan and the University of Michigan, where he became like the provost of the medical school or something like that. Uh, George Zydema was an accomplished individual. He was actually in mission control in Houston when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. George Zydema. I would visit with him on, with some regularity. He and his beloved Joan, who died herself just a few years ago after 65 years of marriage, uh, he, he would make recommendations for books to read, and I would read them. He never told me about mission control. He never really talked about Johns Hopkins, except that he raised his kids in Baltimore. Uh, on Monday morning, uh, he breathed his last. I had an exchange with his daughter, Sarah, on Wednesday that absolutely blew my mind. I want to share it with you in just a minute, but for now, uh, what do you value most? And how valuable, actually, is it? Now, listen with me to this next section in the letter the Apostle Paul wrote, Paul writing from prison uh, to this upstart band of Christian believers in the fairly significant town of Philippi, that band of Christians led by Pastor Lydia. Listen to what the Apostle Paul offers to them, now to us. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is not troublesome for me, and for you it is a safeguard. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of those who mutilate the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I too have reason to be confident in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the house of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I've had, I've come to regard them as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and regard them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through God in faith, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Philippians 3, 1 through 11. You're welcome to find it in a Bible near you or the smartphone with you. Two questions. What do you value most? And how valuable actually is it? I, we value things. There, there are value to things. We, I do. I, I value the relationships I enjoy, the job I love, the people I get to work with, the kids I get to raise, the spouse I get to do it with, the places I get to go. I value. There's value in stuff. There's value in things. There's value in relationship. The question isn't, is there value or do you value, but what do you value most? The Apostle Paul is pressing on us. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of those who mutilate the flesh, for it's we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I have reason to be confident in the flesh. If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. And he goes on to list all of the reasons he has, could have confidence in the flesh. He could place value in the things he's been given and the things he's accomplished, and all of them, he suggests, end up futile, end up worthless. They can't contain the promise of ultimate meaning. They can't meet their commitment of ultimate value. And too often and too quickly and so subtly and subconsciously, we take the thing that has value, the relationship or the job or the degree or whatever it is, the thing that has value, and we give it more than it can handle. We give it ultimate value and worth and ultimate meaning, and it ends up Time and time again, you know it as well as I do, time and time again, it ends up not living up to the promise we made it make. What do you value most? And how valuable is it? The Apostle Paul says, Yet whatever gains I've had, these I've come to regard as loss. He calls them rubbish. He refers to them as trash, garbage, That I may be found in him is his call. It's the reorientation. What, What matters most, what has the most value is being found in Christ. That's where ultimate meaning lies. That's where real worth exists in Christ, that I might be found in him. Jesus Christ, by his life and death and resurrection, when you bow the head and bend the knee and say, I do and I will and I'll try to follow in the way that he'd have me go. In Christ, you're found in him and that's where ultimate meaning exists. That's where real value lies. 
But we got to be honest. We can be honest. Being in Christ does not preclude one from pain. It's not a foolproof plan to a pain-free life. I want to know Christ, Paul says, and the power of his resurrection, and he goes on, the sharing in his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Too often and too quickly, we assume somehow that following Christ will give us this free pass and everything will go the way we want it to go sort of life. And Paul says, "Mm -mm, sorry, it doesn't work that way. To follow Christ is to go the way of the one who was threatened as an infant child, who was ridiculed for his compassion, who was discarded for his convictions. To follow Christ is to go the way of the one who was beaten because of the promises and crucified because of the intentions and laid in a grave because of the purposes. He was crucified and buried because he wasn't okay with the status quo as it was. He was crucified and buried because he wasn't willing to play the power games of the world. He was crucified and buried because he wasn't willing to allow the world to wallow in its sin and brokenness anymore. To go the way of Christ is to go the way of the one who was crucified, died, and was buried. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it, when Christ bids a person to come, he bids that one come and die. What do you value most? And how valuable actually is it? To be in Christ is the most valuable, but it doesn't mean all will go well. It doesn't mean all will be fine. It doesn't mean everything will go the way you choose it to go. But now here's the twist. Here's the gospel reorientation. Though pain, you may experience pain, in Christ you'll experience pain differently. That's the invitation. The thing you lost, as meaningful and as important and as purposeful as it was in your life, doesn't carry ultimate meaning, doesn't carry the deepest value. So you can grieve deeply the thing you lost, the disappointment you know, the sadness you carry, but not be devastated. So Jay Lindell, our dear friend, earlier this week, breathed his last after an angry version of a brain tumor. His family, Gene, and their kids can grieve deeply the loss of one they loved and we loved, but not without hope. So we can, we can journey on amidst the political polarization seeking to reduce you to a category and a demographic with your head held high. You are in Christ. So, so the teenager with the angst of adolescence and the college student trying to make life-changing decisions and the retired person on the horizon of the unknown is in Christ, can hold their head up high to engage whatever circumstance swirls because it doesn't define. In Christ defines. In Christ is real meaning and true value. Uh, I like the psalmist, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. I will never be shaken. So I mentioned this conversation I had with George Zydema's daughter, Sarah. It was Wednesday afternoon. Uh, George Zydema, again, to my way of seeing things bigger than life. When I was 20, 21, 1998, I think it was, you know, he was like the head of medicine at the University of Michigan, and I was trying to get into medical school, so I, I didn't know him that well, but I called him anyway, doing 
pulling every lever I could get to get into medical school. I called Dr. Zeidemann and said, hey, would you be willing to write me a letter of recommendation? Of course he did. That's George Zeidemann. Uh, in 1974, uh, just a year after the U.S. had uh, pulled out of its involvement in Vietnam, George and Joan welcomed two Vietnamese refugees into their home for a year because that's George Zeidemann. They're just bigger than life. He had this blood disease. Um, I, it's too complicated to name for me now. Uh, the disease actually, towards the end of his life, he, he went blind. He couldn't really see. Not entirely blind, but mostly blind. And yet every day, every morning, uh, George Zydema, with the help of a hospice nurse, would get out of his bed, would stumble over to his spot, to his chair. He'd grab it off the coffee table. He'd open the Bible on his lap, stuffed with the devotion. And though the, the words were blurred because of blindness, he just held it open. <laughs> he, he could probably parse Greek and Hebrew words, but not, not now. He wasn't studying the Bible. He was opening its pages in order to experience the one whose heart is revealed in it. He wanted to know Christ 92 years old, George Zydema doesn't talk about mission control in Houston, isn't talking about Johns Hopkins, isn't talking about the University of Michigan, isn't talking about the 25 books he wrote. He wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing in his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What do you value most? And how valuable actually is it? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.